If you've got a Bible, open it up. It's going to help if you can see the text. It's going to be on our screen. Oh, look at this. I'm going to take this guy off. It'll be on our screen, so you'll be able to read it with me now, but it'll help if you can look at it as we go along. We're in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. Luke 2, verses 22 through 35. We'll read the text, and then I'll pray. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, talking about Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can know your son, who is the perfect revelation of who you are. We love you. Would you empower us now by the Spirit to see what you have to say to us this Christmas and that we would treasure the gift of your Son more than ever. Oh, please, would you make that happen tonight? We ask in Jesus' name. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Our passage is not actually the Christmas story. So what we just read in Luke 2, 22 through 35, happens 40 days after Christmas. And we know this because in the law of Moses, you, when you gave birth to a son, you went to the temple 40 days later to offer sacrifices. So that's the timing of our story. But even though this isn't the Christmas story, This passage does explain who that Christmas baby is through Simeon. We're going to see Simeon, he's going to say something about Jesus. He's going to say several somethings about Jesus. But the two main things he's going to say are that Jesus is going to reveal God. And Jesus is going to reveal our hearts. That's what this passage is about. So, Just flow where we're going. We're going to start with the context, talk about what's going on in the passage, 
And then we're going to look at those two things, that Jesus reveals God and he reveals our hearts. So let's look at the text. What's going on? Verse 22, they tell us that Mary and Joseph, they're bringing Jesus to the temple for purification according to the law of Moses. So they've got to offer sacrifices for that. And because he's their firstborn, he has to be presented before the Lord at the temple. And at the temple, while they're there, we're introduced to this man, Simeon. The text says, you can see it, he's righteous and he's devout. And our passage tells us that the Holy Spirit is upon him and that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Do you see that in verse 25? Consolation means comfort, encouragement. This guy is waiting for the encouragement of Israel. And Israel needs it because Israel is in a bad spot. They are under foreign domination. They paid taxes to Rome. Roman soldiers occupied their city. They had lost, and we've talked about this in the last few weeks, they had lost the king from David's family in Jerusalem. And the man who said he was king, Herod, is a traitor who works for Rome. So Caesar, the Roman Empire, essentially owned these people. They were dominated by Rome. Do you know why the Romans owned them? It's because they had rejected God. God had given them his righteous law. He had given them a king. He had given them land, and he said, I will be your God. And in reply, again and again and again and again and again throughout their history, they said, no, thank you. You will not be our God. We will not worship you. We will not serve you. We will not trust you. We will not obey you. And so, again and again and again, God handed them over to their enemies. Simeon is waiting, our text says. He's waiting. He's not mainly waiting for the Israelites to build up a big enough army to take on the Romans. That's not their biggest problem. I mean, Israel, at different points in their history, they have had a pretty large army. And that's not why they're under foreign domination. The reason is because they don't love God. And so God has handed them over to their enemies. That's their biggest problem. I mean, they need to be saved from the Romans. They do. But that's way down the priority list for them. What they need to be saved from is themselves. They don't really love God. They don't really trust Him. They want to live for what they want. And it's not Him. And this is just like every one of us. It is. Our biggest problem is not anything out there. It's not the Romans anymore. Whatever it is in your life, it's not your biggest problem if it's not this. You need to be saved from yourself. It's not an overstatement. Now, the Old Testament had promised that God would rescue his people through the Christ. Through the Christ. So that's not Jesus' last name, Christ. Christ is a Greek word that means anointed king. So the Hebrew word is Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. They both mean anointed. It's talking about the king that God has promised who would come someday to Israel and who would rescue them. 
And the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that before he died, he would see the Christ. And so the Spirit leads Simeon into the temple, and when Joseph and Mary walk in, Simeon grabs baby Jesus. The text says his parents marveled that. You would marvel if someone grabbed your child from your arms. But that's not the main thing they're astonished by. They're astonished by what he says about their baby. He gives two speeches, and we know that these aren't just coming from the top of his head. The text is clear. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gives two speeches. One, he's blessing God. It's verses 29 through 32. And then the other, he's going to speak directly to Mary, verses 34 through 35. The theme of both of these speeches is revelation. In both of them, Simeon will tell us, those who are reading Luke, that Jesus is a revealer. He reveals things. So in the first, we're going to hear that Jesus reveals God. And then when he talks to Mary, we're going to see that Jesus reveals our hearts. So that's what we're going to do with the rest of our time. We're going to look at these one at a time. Jesus reveals God. Let's look at the first speech, verses 29 through 32. Simeon blesses God here. And along the way, he tells us what salvation is. Look at your text. Starting in 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. So question, what is that salvation? How is that salvation described? Verse 32, it is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon sees baby Jesus and he knows he's looking at the person who's going to bring salvation. And according to our passage, salvation is described as light. You see that? Verses 30 and 32. Salvation is being equated with light. And look what the light does. It is light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to Israel. So what does it mean that salvation is light for revelation to the Gentiles? Salvation is like a light. It reveals something. In the Old Testament, light shining is a picture of salvation. Gimba and Lammy, they just read in Isaiah 42, 6, that Jesus will be a light for the nation. So again and again in the Old Testament and the New Testament, light is a picture for salvation. Because if you don't have light, you can't see. You don't know what's going on, and that's the issue with the nations. They don't know. They don't understand. They don't know the God of Israel, and so they're in darkness. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm in the dark? I'm in the dark. It means you don't know something. It doesn't literally mean there are no lights on in your room. It means you don't know something, so if I'm looking at a car engine, I'm in the dark. I can tell you where the battery is. I know how to put gas in it. I know how to turn it on. I can do the windshield wipers but I'm in the dark when it comes to cars. I don't know, I don't understand what's happening. I mean, mechanics, you could tell me that the butterfly turbulator is evaporated, and I've got to believe them because I'm in the dark. I don't know, I don't understand. That's the predicament of all the nations. They're in darkness. They, they're blind, they cannot see. 
They were ignorant in the dark to the most important thing of all life. They didn't know God. If you don't know God, the most important thing in life, then you're also in the dark to almost everything that's important in life. I mean, you can know some facts. You can know 2 plus 2 equals 4. You can know that water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. I don't know if you knew, knew that, but it does. You may know that a butterfly turbulator is nothing that actually exists in an engine. But you don't know the most important things in life, like, why does this exist? Why is this here? What's my purpose? What's the purpose of anything? You can't answer those questions. What is guilt? What is righteousness? If you don't know God, you can't answer all the most important questions in life. No matter how many facts you know, your life is in darkness if you don't know God. Have you felt it inside of you? We're lost without God. But this child, Jesus, brings light. In fact, he is the light. Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Who talks like that? What kind of crazy person says, I am the light of the world? The most sane man that's ever lived. If you want to see God, and if you want to see everything else rightly in his light, then what you need to see is Jesus. He's the only thing that can give light to our darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 Verses 4 through 6 say something really similar. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 through 6. Paul is speaking in 2 Corinthians 4. And he says this, starting in verse 4. The God of this world, and he's talking about Satan when he uses that phrase. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing, what? Light. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So here he's saying, when you don't know God, it's because Satan has blinded you from seeing light. You can't see how glorious he is in the gospel. If you skip down to verse 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness what he did in the beginning in this material world. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what's the light here? It's knowledge. It's knowledge of God's glory. And how do you see it? How do you get that knowledge? In the face of Jesus Christ. Christ. I don't care what your religion 
is, what your ethnic background is. I don't care how good or wretched your life up to this point has been. Do you want to know God? The way is by seeing Jesus Christ for who he is. Knowing God through Jesus Christ is salvation. Your darkness, your lostness, your biggest problem is that you don't know God. That's our greatest need, is to know him, to have light shone in our darkness, and you can have it through Jesus. So here's the wonder of Christmas. Jesus, he's fully God. He's really, really God, and he became one of us as a baby so that he could grow up, live perfectly, die on a cross, pay for our guilt, because that's what separated us from God. We're in the dark because we love our sin, because of our sin, because of our guilt, but he died to take our punishment and give us light. You can have God. You can know him. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he lets you see God. That's what you need more than anything. No matter who you are in this room, that's what you need more than anything. The light of Jesus. He is light for revelation. He reveals God, our text says, to the Gentiles and for glory to Israel. That means that Jesus is how Jews and all the non-Jewish nations of this world, which is probably everyone in this room, can know him. By looking to Jesus, you, everyone, everyone you know can know God through the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus reveals God, and he also reveals our hearts. That's what Simeon's going to let us know in this second speech to Mary. Jesus reveals our hearts. So he blesses Mary and Joseph, our text says, and then he turns and he directly speaks to Mary. Starting in verse 34, Simeon says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus will make many people in Israel fall who looked like they were standing. And he'll make many people who are low to rise. Many people will stumble over Jesus. They will trip over him. Those who are important and religious in their own eyes and have worldly success will trip over Jesus. They will not accept him. So Simeon says, you can see this, he says Jesus is going to be opposed Verse 34, so he's just a baby now, and Simeon's prophesying. People are going to resist this child when he grows up. They're going to attack him. And he tells Mary, it's going to be like a sword going through your own soul also. She's going to have to watch her firstborn child be crucified. He'll be opposed, and he will also be a sign. Do you see that? He is a sign that will be opposed. So road signs, they show you whether you're going in the right direction or not. Jesus is like that. The way that you react to Jesus 
shows what's going on in your heart, whether it's going in the right direction or not. That's what Simeon says in verse 34. He says that Jesus will be a sign so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, including yours. When you encounter Jesus, your heart is revealed right now. The most significant thing about you, the thing that signals like a sign, the most important thing about you is this. How do you react when Jesus shows up and says, you're a sinner and you need to be saved and I'm going to die in your place and I'm going to rise from the dead and you will follow me. The most important thing about you is how do you react to a Jesus like that? It reveals who you are. So let's, let's think about why people oppose Jesus. Why do people trip over him? Why do people, even the most religious, especially the most religious people, the Pharisees, when they encounter Jesus, what is signaled in them when they see him is hatred? Why? I'll tell you why. Jesus tells you, if you want to be rich in God, you need to be poor he tells you that if you want to be great in his kingdom, you must become like a child and a servant of all in this life. He tells you that if you want to live with God, you have to die to this world. He tells you you're a sinner who needs to be forgiven. He tells you you are unworthy and you need to be given righteousness. Many religious people, like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, and they still exist today, were using God to show how worthy and how great they were. They used God so that they could maximize their power in this world. They used religion and God to get money, to get position, to get worldly success. And when Jesus came and told them, you are unworthy, you need to die to this world and follow me. You're blind. I will be your light. You're wicked, but I will gladly give you my righteousness. They stumbled over him. They fell. Even though they looked to be the most religious people that there ever were, they would not submit to a God who said, you must be weak and needy and poor and wretched. Will you? Will you submit to a God like that? That's the sign. Because he can and will give you all that you are not. And he will do for you all that you cannot do for yourself through his own love and kindness. That's the good news of Christmas. If a preacher tells you that Jesus will make you a somebody in this world, that preacher is a false teacher. 
if a preacher tells you that you can use Jesus to get money or status, or you try to use, they try to use Jesus to show off how worthy and good they are, that preacher is a false teacher. The Pharisees would have been totally fine with Jesus. Nobody would have opposed him if he made them more rich, more powerful, and made them feel better about themselves. That's what Joel Osteen is selling. That's what half the preachers on YouTube are selling. The problem is it's not what Jesus brings. If you don't come from a religious background, Christian background, you don't know who any of those people are. That's what the world sells. That's the problem when Christians try to sell it through Jesus because the world's already selling it. It's what every other religion sells. Either you are enough. You are worthy. You are. Or if you keep these rules, these laws, you can be worthy. If you do these things, you can be enough. If you follow the rules... You can be more attractive, famous, successful, but none of them will bring you to God. And that's what you need. That's what I need. Only Jesus can. He is the sign that exposes the great divide. Do you recognize that what you need is not to use God to get you sex, power, money, and success. You need God. That's what Jesus says. The way you react to that reveals you. It reveals your heart. Do you recognize that you need somebody else to save you? That's what Jesus came to do. Have you come to despair yet that were you to get all the money and sex and power and success, it cannot give you what you're looking for? Only God can? That's what Jesus comes to say. Your heart is being revealed right now. How do you react to those things? Your heart is being exposed to God. It's being exposed to you. Do you recognize that you're not a good person, but that he is? And if you trust him, he will take care of you and be your righteousness and wisdom and power. That's the great divide. Your heart is being revealed right now. Much of the world cannot, will not accept a Jesus like that. But if you do, he will take you. And instead of falling over him, you will rise. That's what Simeon says. He says that Jesus is appointed for the fall and rising of many. That word rising, in the Greek, anastasis, it's used all over the New Testament, and every time it's talking about resurrection. Life from the dead. Even in Luke, every time you, Luke uses this word in the book of Luke and Acts, he's talking about resurrection. Life from the dead. 
if you come to Jesus and you hear him say, you're poor and needy and wicked and lost and in darkness and your biggest need is to know God, but I will be your light and riches and might and righteousness and I will bring you to God. If your heart says, no, I am worthy, I'm good, and anyways, at the end of all this, I don't actually want you, you will fall. But if in humility you receive Jesus as your righteousness, your only righteousness, your light, the one who brings you to God, pays for your guilt, who is your king and your master, then someday you will rise from the dead like he did. That's the promise. It's the guarantee. This child was crucified and he rose from the dead. He did. That's the guarantee that you will if you trust him. You will live with him, the light of the world, with no darkness outside of you and no darkness inside of you forever. So come to him. That's the gift of Christmas. Receive him. Wherever you are, he'll take you. Let's pray. Father, Apart from your Son, we are in darkness. We cannot see. We are lost. But to know you is our greatest need. So would you help us tonight to see the light, to see your Son, and to see all things through him. Jesus, you tell us that in yourself is light, and that light is the life of men. So show us the Father and reveal to us our own hearts and lead us in the power of the Spirit to honor you as our King. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.